You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we talk to Dr. Kai Bretz. Kai is an ultra marathon runner. He has also represented Australia in ultra distances, and he's written a book. It's called Turning Right Inspire the Magic. And it's full of lessons that he's learned from his running. If you want to find out why it's called Turning Right, I suggest you listen to this very inspiring conversation. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am delighted to share with you all Kai Bretz. Hello, Kai. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. So, Kai, tell us, where did you grow up? So as you might hear from my accent, I'm actually from Germany originally, and uh, that's where I grew up. Um, but over my education, I, I was abroad quite a lot of, um, of, of time. So I was uh, in boarding school in Scotland for a year. I did a PhD in Seville in Spain. And then I traveled the world as a consultant uh, to Eastern Europe and, and Japan. And in 2011, I landed in Australia. And since then, I'm here. And now That's I'm amazing. both German and Australian. You have been, isn't it funny when I talk to people on the podcast and they've been, you know, all over, especially if they, you know, originated not in Australia, but they've just traveled like these amazing places and, you know, gone to university and worked and things. We look at it, those of us who haven't done quite as much travel, and we say, wow, that must have just been, you know, it must be amazing to have had all of those experiences in different places. Well, I did enjoy it. Um, but I have to I have to point out that um, when you live in Europe, Australia is the place to be. That's some of the exotic <laughs> place. <laughs> we, um, we, um, we did take three of our younger children and traveled for 18 months, and we spent some time in Europe um house sitting in Europe and they did people did seem to quite think Australia was a place that they'd like to visit those that hadn't already and we have all these backpackers here too don't we from from Europe so yeah I think you're right it does seem an exotic place at the other end of the world and and let's be honest we've got everything here as well so it, it is a nice place um especially if I think about running it's not a bad place at all oh it's amazing um now just going back to running. So in, in Germany, because a lot of people I speak to, say in Australia, I've got an understanding what their school sports and things would have been like while they were a child. When you're in Germany, what does sports look like for you when you were growing up? So PE is, um, a, well, PE is part of uh, every week in school um, yep. throughout um, until you graduate. And it's probably twice or three times a week. Um, running, though, was never really, in my school, was never really a big thing. Obviously, in summer, you do some athletics and some sprints. Yeah. and uh, But in terms of long-distance running, which I'm sure we'll get to long-distance running in this yeah. chat as well, the longest I've ever run in school was like a kilometre. And oh, that wow. was very rare 
Um, so it wasn't really part of it. And then lots of people obviously do sports outside of school. So going into a club. And when I wanted to join an athletics club at probably the age of 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there, I was almost member of a club. And then my mom pulled me away from it because she had heard how those guys in that club would break the young people. And um, probably I'm I'm grateful I never wow. uh, I never joined that club because yeah. probably I wouldn't be running anymore. So oh, that's interesting. Oh, good on your parents to being like that, like for being having that forethought as well, that it might be something you want to continue as well and that, that it would be not necessarily the right path for you at that time. Yeah, it's it's mm. I guess it's quite a quite a difficult balance to to get it right between the performance angle, which is always mm. there, obviously, because it's measurable and it mm. speaks to a-type personality and um, you might have an a-type personality here sitting in front of you um, uh-huh. <laughs> but having that balance between performance and really the enjoyment and I think both is somewhat um, have their merit and both are important, important to balance them out yeah for that balanced sort of lifestyle as well mm. um do you have siblings I do have a sister yeah mm-hmm. and was she at school did she was she a kind of sporty kind of person uh, yes, so she is very sporty, but very different. So she's mm-hmm. um, more into water sports. So she loves diving, um, canoeing. She loves anything anything to do with water. Whereas uh-huh. um, when I go to the beach, I prefer not to get wet. So <laughs> in a way, in a way, I I just prefer running. And um, yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, when you went to boarding school, like I've had some family members who went to boarding school. And there was an element of you needed to do X sort of sport as a part of that being a boarding school student. Was that the same for you when you were oh, in yes. boarding school? And um, now that you mentioned boarding school, so in that year, so I was 16, 17 when I went to mm-hmm. Scotland. So it was um, was the second year b- before graduating there. Um, sports was super important. And yeah. uh, that's probably where I picked up my passion for running. So uh-huh. um, just put yourself into somehow being German for a second and um, and then any of the British sports did not really resonate with me at all. <laughs> so first term, uh, I was put into the rugby team. I did not know a single uh, rule about rugby. So I did not know that forward passing is apparently a no-go. And uh, so it, it took like 30 minutes until they pulled me out of the team and said, maybe you do cross-country running that might suit you better. Um, and then the terms later on were no better with uh, with uh, cricket and cricket. hockey. <laughs> um, so neither of them. I know some Germans do play hockey, but I never had. So um, so I was really um, I was doing the non sporty stuff, and that was yeah. running in that school, um, yeah. and really thrived in it. And running through the Scottish uh, hills, and uh, I think that was up to ten kilometers, which was oh, huge wow. at the time for me. Yeah. If, can you remember what you thought while you were running at that point when you were at 16, 17? Can you remember what was going through your mind? You know, am I enjoying this? I wish it was over, you know, or is it you actually? It, really it, it must have been a combination. So I think, so I do remember one thing which um, has accompanied me in running since, um, since being very little. So probably uh, seven, eight years old was um, to just focus and focus yeah. on one foot and then focus on the other foot. Um, yeah. And background was 
Um, at that age of seven, eight um, onwards, I was reading some German children's book books and um, the protagonists, they had to run a lot. And, uh, and we're talking like, really like I think they were running for multiple days at a time through oh, wow. through, um, through the wilderness and in order not to get tired uh, their trick apparently was to focus on one leg until it got tired and then focus on the other leg <laughs> until that got tired and by the time the other leg got tired they could refocus on the first leg so um, awesome. and I didn't know why that would work but as someone tried to apply it and just the mere act of focusing and getting very centered, it does make the running experience much more enjoyable. And I, I think long distance running has a lot to do with focus. And um, so that that was one thing I, I tried to apply and it somewhat served me. That's amazing. I hadn't thought about it that because often we'll think, you know, it's just, it is just one foot in front of the other, you know, that kind of simple thing. But that idea of, you know, just focusing on one foot or one leg, and then the other, like letting one get tired and then and then the other. That's very mindful. Like it has it's quite a mindfulness strategy, isn't it? Exactly. And awesome. I mean, why why I think it works is that it prevents us from completely going off uh, on a tangent um, wherever our thoughts are going. And mm. typically I, I can tell you when, when my thoughts are are spiraling, they can spiral pretty, pretty badly very quickly. Mm. And that kind of focusing just on something else and whether it's a it's it's a leg or I know some other people they're they are counting, they're just counting numbers to whichever number they get to until they can't remember where they're at and then they have to restart again. It doesn't really matter, it's just simple tricks mm. to to stay mindful. Yeah, I love that. Because a lot of what we talk about on the podcast actually, we bring in lots of little strategies about mindfulness and how we can use mindfulness techniques while we're running, um, which I'm sure we can get into some more a bit later. It's mm. one of my passionate things is how we can be more mindful while we run because um, I think that makes it even more healthy for us and gives us that relief that we also sorely need in this modern world that we're living in at the moment. Um, what did you study when you left school? So, or not left school, but went on to further education. Yeah. So I did a master in international business and then mm-hmm. um, a doctorate in European law. Very sporty. Nothing to do with sports. And, uh, but that was the time when um, I picked up marathon running. So that was wow. straight after school. Uh, I did my first marathon in 1998. So um, what, what made you do that? Like when you were at school, you like there's so many, like a lot of people will come onto the podcast and say, I was the typical university student. I didn't think about my physical well-being at all. I just mm. studied and partied. You know, there wasn't a lot of space for anything else in between. So why did you choose a different path, do you think, at um, that point? I just noticed that running gave me great balance. So mm-hmm. um, it was whenever I ran, I just could focus way better um on my studies and uh-huh. um and and just that kind of inner balance was was right and then whenever I thought I, w- I didn't have time to run and skipped it I probably lost way more time of by just fluffing and and not really mm-hmm. um focusing on what I needed to do so uh, I kept it as a routine and then increased mm-hmm. it over time uh, in terms of how much I was running 
that to me is a very self-aware thing to have done when you were, you know, 18, 19, 20 as well. Don't, on reflection, do you see that? Like, because a lot yeah. of people don't, they wouldn't necessarily even correlate that I was procrastinating a lot. Oh, that's right. I didn't go for a run. I wonder, you know, that's probably why. Yeah, it's, um, I, I was surprised. Um, so in the, in those weeks leading into marathons um, mm. or into races where I, I really had a great routine in terms of training and I was, was very focused on training. I was, at first I was surprised by the coincidence, apparently the coincidence that I had less conflict with other people. So somehow, huh? and then after the races, in my view, I had to face all those idiots, and <laughs> uh, and, and then it, it took a bit of a, a bit of time until I realized um, somehow that the, the, the root cause was just um, how much I was focused and uh, how much running helped me to focus, and it was really my inner state that determined uh, my interactions with others. So uh, it wow. probably I'm not sure whether I really knew that at the age of 18, 19, but it it mm. it came it became apparent very quickly. Mm. Yeah, I love that because so many of us, I'm probably talking about myself as well, um, when we were that age, it was, we didn't, you knew that if you say drank too much alcohol, being a typical Australian student, if you drank too much alcohol, you would have a headache the next day. But then a few weeks later, somebody says, let's come to a party. And then that people would drink, you know, again, even though, you know, so, you know, the, the cause and effect, even though, you know, that's going to happen, you still do it, even though it's so I just find that fascinating that you were able to, at that age, be able to follow a different path. Um, it's very, so well done. Well, <laughs> uh, I do have to admit though, then once I started uh, proper work life, I, mm -hmm. I just, I just didn't find the time for running for several years. So I was a, oh, wow. uh, a consultant at, at McKinsey mm. and yes, um, traveling around the world did not help. So mm. objectively, I didn't have a lot of time, but I also didn't make the time for it. And, mm. and then I also find it's, it's very hard. Well, I find it very hard um, just occasionally running. So when there is mm. no routine, it's, it's way easier to say, ah, uh, mm let's skip it this week and once you skip it one week it's easier to skip it the next week and then yeah. um then it's winter in germany and it's far too cold and all these excuses creep up mm -hmm. so uh having a routine and uh, actually running more makes it way easier to just consistently run yeah I, I we talked briefly before we got on the recording and for that same reason i've recently started running every day so i just run 2k at a minimum every day but run longer runs and things when i'm training for bigger events and that kind of thing but it just keeps me moving and i've noticed well, i haven't actually not run for quite a few months now um but when i if yeah just the thought of not going for it mm. <laughs> run is like ah oh, no that's it's what is it 10 minutes 15 minutes at the most of my life i can fit that in that is beautiful. And I've noticed actually um, the same as, as you're experiencing there is to, to create a habit and keep it up. It's keep mm. the entry barrier low. So as you say, mm. um, 10 minutes, you can't really argue that you don't have the time for 10 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, and, and that's what I do when I really can't be bothered going out mm. at all. So they are they are the odd days when it is cold, it's rainy, it's uh, it's yeah. just miserable and I don't feel like it. 
and um and my rule is to just say okay i might not go for a long run but at least i go for 10 minutes and yeah. within those 10 minutes i give myself the opportunity to see if anything changes and um most times it does and i keep yeah. running but yeah. even if it doesn't then at least it's an informed decision to to yeah. skip a proper run as i would call it mm-hmm. in 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 my world to yeah. to go out and 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 do that um and um i say okay today's not the day yeah i know we've often talked on the podcast too about how our body can lie to us like we listen to our body and that's really important it's part of being mindful and all of those things and the awareness and and all of that but especially when you first start running or when you first wake up and and know you need to go for a run and you can hear it blowing a gale or thunder and lightning or something all the reasons excuses you just talked about um, those first few steps your body will say oh no that's really sore my ankle's sore my knee's sore or whatever it is but as you said if you give yourself 10 minutes it's funny how a lot of those things go away. It's the things that stay that you need to listen to, but those things tend to just disappear. And then suddenly you realize it's gone. Okay. That wasn't serious. <laughs> That's it. It's the story we tell ourselves, which sounds very credible, but it's not always true. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? And, and determining which ones you should listen to and which ones you shouldn't. That's part of the journey, I suppose, because we're all a bit different. It is. It is. Mm. Anyway getting very philosophical um so you said there was a period where you didn't run because you were so busy how did can you when you reflect back on that does that feel like a time where something was missing like there was a a bit of your you know it just things weren't quite as balanced to use a word that you used earlier oh absolutely so um it's definitely uh, I think the big shift I noticed once I restarted running, it's so so that kind of black versus white. Um, mm. Sleep got better instantly. Um, I was I was more balanced. I, I think I had less conflict with people. It's I could focus better. It's it's that kind of flow experience is easier to get into even outside of running. So huge benefits, but mm. yeah, it's um, it's very easy to 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 not notice that when you're not doing it when you're in the middle of it and I suppose other things in your life are being ticked off you know your career is progressing and you're you know all of that those things are moving forward exactly they take up some of that vacuum perhaps so how did you restart your running what made you do that well um it's um as I said before and as an a-type personality goal mm-hmm. somehow helped me to just refocus so when I started running or when I start when I did my first marathon in 1998 I ran four hours 15 so I was pretty much a middle of the pack runner yeah. and um and then uh it took me not too too long to get closer to that three hour mark which obviously is a it's yeah, a big threshold amazing. for um for for quite some runners and um so I got to 303 so very close but but not close enough and uh so when I restarted I basically said okay I'll do what it takes now to run sub three hours Mm -hmm. and um and that kept kept me honest and it was actually real fun and um so I'd left that job was traveling between jobs had uh, six months um came him two uh, two months to New Zealand and a month to Australia 
And I was traveling and every morning I, I got out and, and just trained in a different spot. It was just amazing. And um, yeah, the rest is history. So it was the drive to number one, get to that three hour mark or whatever that mark was, um, and then to keep it, to maintain it. That was sort of the. Yeah, I, I wasn't really looking beyond um, beyond that marathon, which uh, mm. was supposed to be the sub three hour marathon. And it, and it was, um, but because, I don't know, probably because I put so much work into it and I just really enjoyed it. It was it was it was almost like no it was a, a new lifestyle and yeah. uh, and then going into the next job which was here in melbourne um so by that time i'd moved to melbourne 2011 um i just um committed to myself to to keep the lifestyle element mm -hmm. of it and say um i'm starting a new job this is this is part of the routine it needs to fit in um and and i made it work that's amazing. So that's why you came to Australia. So that was going to be a question, but you got a job in Melbourne. Is that how Absolutely. you came to be yeah. living in Australia? Yeah, yeah. In, got a job in, in Melbourne. Uh, 2011, you said? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so made the move. And um, and since then, most of the time I've lived here in Melbourne. Uh, I had a three-year uh, three stint uh, up in Sydney and um, back in Melbourne at the moment. And then... Um, yeah, in 2015, I, I got from marathon running into ultra running. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> Why well, did you do that? <laughs> it, it was, it, it happened, it happened because um, the balance was missing for me. And now you, you might laugh, like how, do, how mm -hmm. does ultra running gives you, give you balance? But um, just bear with me for a second. It's mm -hmm. um, marathon running became bit obsessive it, it became obsessive I'm, I'm deleting the a bit so um mm -hmm. it, it was all about another personal best mm -hmm. and it wasn't really I didn't enjoy it that much anymore and mm -hmm. um and it just became stressful yeah. and um and then I had a, a great experience through a mentor so I'd met a mentor um and um and the the objective was so the mentorship was all about becoming even a better marathon runner. So that was mm -hmm. the objective. Um, yes. But luckily, um, um, I found some some fulfillment again, some fun again in there, because uh, the mentor instantly noticed uh, some of what the real problem was. That the problem wasn't wasn't of me not being efficient enough. The problem was just me being too obsessive. And um, he tried to tell me that fact and obviously it did not resonate. Um, <laughs> so he helped me experience um, uh, that and um, prescribed a weekly mystery run. So I looked at him very puzzled and said, what's a mystery run? And he said, well, very easy. Um, the idea is um, I love control a lot. So I just, yeah. everything is very disciplined and I do the same thing every day and uh, there's a plan to everything. And he said, well, let's drop that for a while <laughs> and see what happens uh, without any control. So my best friend, Corey, uh, here in, in Melbourne, who is an extremely good uh, middle distance runner mm -hmm. and way faster than me on any of those uh, short and middle distances, he was in charge of the mystery run, had to pick me up at home um, and run a session with me without telling me what the session was about. So he wouldn't tell me where we were going, how far we were going, how fast we were going. The, the idea was whatever he was doing, I had to do as well. Wow. And 
I was terrified because <laughs> the first question which came up was, um, well, if he runs fast and does that for longer than I can keep up with him, when is it fair to give up? And just listen to that wording. When is it fair to give up was the first thing on my mind. And that pretty much sums up my mindset at the time. And um, and my mentor didn't give me any answer of when it was fair to give up. He just said, well, you just run with him and you see what you think is appropriate. You just, you'll mm -hmm. find out. So Corey picked me up at home first day. Um, it was a Saturday and um, big, big grin on his face just absolutely it was clearly telling me Kai you are going to suffer in this session <laughs> and uh, we went through through um, um, through the garden gate and Corey turned right so I had to turn right as well and at that moment I noticed that never ever had I turned right coming out of my house so really? every morning I was going for a run and every morning like on autopilot turning left left to get to Beach Road uh, I lived like uh, lived in Albert Park, around about 500 meters from the beach. No, you could have gone right, right, going to the beach. So same destination, just going a different way. Mm -hmm. It just had never really occurred to me. And I, so I, I didn't have time to think about that turning right. I just knew it was different. And um, so I had to focus on the session itself. The session it wasn't too bad. It's um, Corey wasn't mean in that first session, and I somehow mm -hmm. um, I I survived it, and he didn't break me. And at the end, I somehow thought, "Well, this was interesting." And then I reflected back on that first move, turning right out of out of the house, mm -hmm. because I knew there was something deeper in it than just mm. a choice of direction. It was mm -hmm. really. And it took a while until I, I unpicked it, but it was really entering new territory. And so somehow a side which, is, which had always been there, but I had been completely blind to it. And the question over the next few years, pretty much until now, has become what happens when I metaphorically turn right? So when I mm -hmm. enter territory, which is normally I, I, I don't, so mm -hmm. I... I, I I don't go. Uh, I don't go along with the autopilot. I just choose a different direction and see where it, where it leads me. And um, and that pretty much the biggest right turn in running had been going to into ultra running. Mm -hmm. So after the marathon, I thought, well, I need a right turn. And what is turning right if you run city marathons one after the other after the other? Well, I signed up for a 250 kilometer race in uh, the Simpson Desert, off road, all Trails. on sand and rocks. Oh, I love and, it. <laughs> and, and that was scary. And that was completely unknown territory. And I, I, it, it helped me thrive in a completely new environment. I just loved it. So I never really went back to marathons. So it's a little like that we, and again, we talk a bit about it on the podcast and I heard someone else mention it the other day. So I think everything old is new again, but that concept of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, getting comfortable with doing something that, you know, makes you feel uncomfortable initially. And then once you get comfortable with it, well, it's time to choose something else that makes you feel uncomfortable. Otherwise you're not growing. There's no growth in you. You're just staying same. Exactly. That That's the key point of um, I had to learn how to expect the unexpected and it's easiest mm. if you're going into into territory you just don't know there's always something unexpected happening I love that I really do I still um 
I love like tourism runs, like when we were traveling a little bit, that idea of exploring a new place. But you don't know what's around the corner usually, and you don't know even if you can find your way back sometimes. Thank, thankfully, we have a phone with us most of the time now, so we can. But exploring those kind of things is, um, I find, really exciting. It's interesting that, that, and now I know where you get the title from, from for your book. Yes, it's Turning Right. Um, so you, so you went ahead and, and, and created a book? Yes, I did. Um, it took a while because um, first I, I just had to explore what turning right really meant. Uh, mm. Got into ultra running. Um, um, and again, I was I was terrified by, by just the idea of running 250 kilometers. It's how do you do that? Is that even possible? What do you think terrified you? Like what? I mean, it was having that you, you must know people. Well, I didn't. You know, I didn't you... know anybody in the ultra scene, really. Um, but you know that people, like you're a very smart person, so you know people do survive. You know, when we when we logically look at these things, yeah. What is it that is really frightening us? When... Uh, I think the the biggest oh. the biggest fear is, well, at least for me, was the fear of failure. It's that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. when I do marathons, and I became a pretty decent marathon runner. So mm-hmm. at that time, my personal best was two forty four. And oh, wow. um, so it's it's not a top runner, but it's it's pretty decent. And then saying, awesome. let's go of all of that, start mm. from scratch and potentially potentially not finish, potentially not do well. Mm. Somehow get to get into painful situations because running for such a long time. I mean, it it, it can't be easy. It's all of that. And all the unknown. Mm. It's, it's all the unknown. And it's not necessarily conscious it's just that kind of mm. that's that icky feeling within saying mm, maybe stick to what you know so when you first start a race like that then and or, or an event like that do you find a lot of those thoughts go away so that you actually enjoy the event like once you hit the yeah. start line mm. so a lot went away in training so um i I did prepare appropriately Mm -hmm. so i had uh six to eight months time to to prepare and i needed Mm -hmm. the preparation and um by the end by the end of those training cycles i knew i was somewhat fit i didn't know what what to expect and Mm -hmm. how well things would be going uh it was multi multi multi-day uh day events so some are stages and Mm -hmm. um um most most days it was like a marathon uh but all, all off road and you back up one marathon after the other and then on day five it's it's double marathon and that was some of the the big thing of how would we run 84 kilometers after having mm. four long days in the lakes and um so there is the excitement but there, there was constantly the kind of concern of how bad does it get mm. in the subsequent days yeah and how was it well, the first day was uh, very adventurous because um, I was going out, out pretty fast and mm-hmm. was on my own very quickly. And then um, so it, it was a lonely run, which I didn't mind. Um, mm-hmm. So I was leading the race um, up to the very end. And then two kilometers from the finish line, there was this guy in front of me. And I thought, hmm is he cheating or have I missed something <laughs> or what's happening here? So it was on top of a sand dune. So I, I speed up and catch him just before we go down the sand dune and almost, almost into the finishing um, shoot. 
and I noticed it was the course marker marking the course. Oh. <laughs> so nobody had expected <laughs> me that quickly. Um, oh, wow. And um, the general sense uh, at the finish was, well, well done, Kai, but it's pretty apparent you're new to these multi-day experiences in the ultra world is we don't we don't somehow run that fast on day one because there are another six or five days to go oh wow <laughs> so that was that was day one <laughs> and did you do the same for the following days or did you um, learn from that yeah so on, on day two I, I was not too concerned because I felt mm. good and um and um on day two I pretty much backed it up I was even slightly mm -hmm. faster than on day one so um so I did keep it up, and by yeah. the end of the entire race, I'd uh, improved the uh, the race record by more than five hours. And I thought, "Wow, oh, wow!" <laughs> but but all I did was um, was staying present again. So yeah. I, I just I focused on the process. I did what I had to do. I I took my fluids. I was eating what I had to eat, and I just enjoyed. It. And I was completely in flow, and never really thinking about. Um, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about where that would put me and uh, and the expectations other people tried mm. to place on me because that was just not for me to carry. Mm. I love that. So it seems to me that that's where your A-type personality, as you described earlier, actually works in your favour in that you had done all the preparation. You knew even on race day, the days, <laughs> what you needed to do and what you needed to have ready and what when you needed to eat those sort of things. Cause a lot of people talk about falling apart in that mm. zone. It's like, Oh, I didn't eat when I should have. And I was feeling not great or whatever, because I thought I was, you know, whatever. I didn't follow the plan in other words. Um, whereas you did follow the plan and it paid off. Yes. And I think following the plan. So that kind of balance between doing what one needs to do and that mm. it, there is some discipline in it, and then having capacity to deal with the unexpected, that mm. seems to be the formula which works. Um, whereas beforehand, I was just following a plan, but there was no yeah. room for the unexpected. Because yeah, in every race, there's always unexpected stuff happening. Mm. There, We also talk a little bit on the podcast in the past about the fact that having a plan actually gives you the freedom. And that's sort of what you're describing there, because it, that's taken care of now. My mind doesn't have to think about when I eat and blah, blah, blah. Instead, I can be in the moment, for example, and enjoy where I am, listen to my body, you know, work on my left leg for a while until it gets tired, yeah. work on my right leg until it gets tired or whatever your process is for being in the moment. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a lot we can learn from that, like so much actually about who we are as well as individuals. Yeah. Um, there was one interesting, what just comes to my mind was a very interesting call out from a spectator in a different race. So it was a 350 kilometer race, mm -hmm. a non-stop. And um, there was a lady uh, uh, following the field and just looking at uh, front runners and back of the pack, middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. And at the late eight, last aid station, she made a, a really interesting comment to me. So I was in second position and she said, oh, Looking at all these runners, do you actually know notice, uh, do you know what I, I've noticed, what the difference between some of front of the pack and mm -hmm. back of the pack is? And I was curious, and she said, well, it's according to her observations, very simple. It's 
it's not really the physical endurance. Everybody, everybody's mm. fit and everybody has put in somehow work. And um, she said, the real difference is that the front of the pack runners, even under pressure and even when things go wrong and things always mm. go wrong, they mm -hmm. still do what is required. So they yeah. still put on their sunscreen, they still drink their drinks, they, they mm. stop when they have a blister and do what needs to be done. Whereas, um, whereas really um, when things start falling apart is when, when one just forgets the thing, which is absolutely, yeah. absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've heard that so many times on the podcast from people who've done, you know, many of those ultra, ultra multi-day events that you know, I just didn't follow my plan because my brain went, whatever, I got got all mush, which is going to happen. So if you're not, you know, or you don't have a crew that makes you follow your plan at the time, then things can fall off, you know, the wheels fall off pretty rapidly, don't they, when you're out there and one foot in front of the other seems very complicated all of a sudden yeah it, it's yeah. not that complicated <laughs> so tell me about your book tell me a little bit about um what turning right and what was the um subtitle about uh, the subtitle was? is inspire the magic and Beautiful. that's really what the book is about so um it's it it started at that um 250 kilometer run uh big red run in in the simpson desert where I just noticed there's something more to this. There's some, uh, mm. there's some, some oomph in for for life in a way, and it's beyond what I was doing, of um, of really, how can I help other people um, find somehow what excites them, what, mm. where they find meaning, and and just mm -hmm. and even if it is performance, I don't want to belittle performance either. It's step change where one is at for whatever reason it might be, because obviously that's that's somewhat. Um, exciting as well to see that we, we can lift ourselves mm -hmm. and um so I, I wrapped up my own journey in that book but really carefully um um carefully writing in a way that it's not about me it's about taking the reader or the audiobook listener along the journey mm -hmm. of of in every chapter asking like what does that mean to you like yeah. how is this relevant to you and uh, yeah, very proudly can say that um, since it's uh, since I've pu published it, um, I've won three three book awards with it. So, awesome! Uh, That's so, so it seems good. seems to be resonating. It's hitting and hitting mark. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I I wrote a book um, back in two thousand and four called um, Run Forever, basically. Because <laughs> but back then. Well, that's not an excuse, really. But but really, back then, runners didn't spend money on on running apart from running shoes. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed now in the last sort of almost two decades since then, they really they're more inquisitive. Maybe it's because the internet is now a little bit more mature than it was back then as well. And we have all this information at our fingertips, and you only have to think, oh, how could I run one kilometer far? And I go run, you know, any kind of question you could conceive about your running you could google it and find yeah. something about it yeah. and so i think we're we are starting we're just maturing and we're, we're reaching out and wanting to to grow in different ways with our running and uh, and not to mention there's an awful lot of stuff that you can get for running like gear and things yeah. now yeah. compared to before it was just shoes really um and a stopwatch no, absolutely <laughs> about it. and and <laughs> 
while that is important, and I think it it has taken running to a different level in general, um, I think it's also important to see that it's only the outer journey. So it's that kind mm. of um, having having the right watch and some of the right shoes yeah. and whatever. It's it's all the external stuff, which is important. Mm. Um, the stuff I'm focusing way more on in my own training, but also in the book is that inner journey of saying, yeah. who do I need to be to do what I really want to do? And mm. um, and it's it's more a question of being than of doing. And yeah. while that sounds to some people very fluffy, it's um, uh, it, it has made a huge difference. So, um, and I think for me, the proof points have been um, starting as a as an okay runner at four hours fifteen for my yeah. first marathon, which is certainly anything but exceptional. It's it's a good start. It's a and great then start. In, in 2019, I made it uh, to the 24 hour World Championships um, with the Australian national team. And came eleventh um, overall day. Awesome! Just and a the, the 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 key part was that was an inner journey. That yeah. that's probably the link yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to make. What does that inner journey look like for you, Kai? Um, it's it, in essence, it's a question of um, of the level of consciousness we bring to. To every moment and running is just a great way of um of just as i said whether it's focus whether it's um um whether it's yeah how how we deal with what gets thrown at us um not what we do it's not the problem solving of saying oh my watch is not working what shall i do that question comes up as well and it came up in the world championships where my gps watch wasn't working um two minutes before the start line and yes, there's the question, what do I have to do? But that's, again, that's an outer journey. That's, yes. that's somewhat external. And long story short, the watch did not work anymore. And it was a 24-hour race. And then the real question comes back, and that's the inner journey of who do I need to be? Who needs to mm -hmm. run here? And that was just a, hey, I'm here to be fully connected with my crew. I'm going to have fun. And I will trust that uh, I can pace myself even without a GPS mm. watch. I mean, there's a stadium clock and that needs to be sufficient. Mm -hmm. And it was. And probably it was a blessing in disguise that I wasn't a slave to my GPS watch. Uh, instead, exactly. I was just running. Yeah. It does sound like a blessing in disguise. Like a lot of people, like there are people that we've had on the podcast who talk about making sure they have a number of runs in their schedule where they leave all of their technology at home, whether it's headphones um, mm. and their watches and everything, so that they can have what they call a naked run. <laughs> so that they, they don't have those um, added things to think about. It's just, they're just going for a run, mm. if that makes sense, which I think is amazing. So what drives you to keep running now, do you think? Um, I'm actually exploring that in every big race I do so um it's I'm asking myself like why is this important to me why why I'm racing this and there is always the my ego always wants a performance side yes that's true but I'm very aware that that's not what gets me through a race nor mm -hmm. is that something which really gets me too excited between races it's just something um 
this part of me also wants and mm -hmm. I just need to keep that in check so um typically it is it's a it's it's always a version of personal growth which which really drives me and uh, and interestingly um maybe maybe that's that's a great example my 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 last race where I did delirious west again um just recently which is yeah. is that 350k run and I did it for the second time first time around in 2019 I came second and this time around um after 24 hours I was way in uh, I was well ahead of everyone else I was leading by more than two hours and I was going extremely well and then the race completely fell apart because I got lost it's uh, oh. it was it was at night the map wasn't uh, the, the map was inaccurate and I just tried to follow the map and I got into into the bushes and into oh. um trying to to find the path again I I physically got stuck in uh, in prickly um oh, out it was it, it was summer I was concerned because it was all snake infested territory dark um couldn't no. see what was underneath me and and suddenly I, I couldn't move and and then I've reminded myself why I was there so you were asking what's my why and mm. my why is to have an adventure and there you go <laughs> and, and somehow it was uh, it was not the, the adventure I would have chosen but it was it was fascinating it was amazing yeah. and um and then I'd just uh, I had to send an SOS signal so via the, the SOS beacon and oh, a search wow. group came uh, uh uh found me two and a half two and a half hours later and rescued me and it took it took the guys to to cross the last hundred meters to get to me because the bush was so thick it took them uh 45 minutes to cross 100 meters so as you see, when I do something, I do it well. So How were your legs? Stuck... <laughs> it sounds like your legs must have been all scratched up. Oh, they were all scratched up and, oh, and they wow. rescued me. And I was still physically, I was fine, but mentally I completely fell apart. Like everything, oh. like I was so grateful to, to somehow um, be safe and mm. just get out of there. And, um, and then I tried to to get back into the race and go to the next aid station. Mm -hmm. So I ran another four hours from there, but there was no why anymore. There, there absolutely, mm. there just wasn't. There was nothing really driving me, and I was mentally so exhausted. And wow. since then, I've heard that um, when people are in in survival situations, and that's how I saw myself in there, mm. just a survival situation it's um it's very often it's very common that afterwards they just absolutely fall apart it's mm. uh, it's they you're just done mentally and i think there's need... a lot of physical slash chemical things going on in your body exactly. when you're in that that um yeah. survival mode yeah and that panic mode there's I, I don't know the name of all the chemicals but i just know for a fact yeah. that there oh, is a lot of medic, a lot, there's a, a medical reason yes <laughs> <laughs> but, but but to the why it's um next day so I, I pulled out of the race and I was very happy with the decision mm -hmm. I'd made and next day I felt better and and I was almost I almost felt elated because it was such an adventure and mm -hmm. uh yeah the, certainly there's a part of me who would love to have finished the race potentially mm -hmm. even won the race yes that's there but 
it's somewhat it has become more than that and that is also very freeing and um mm -hmm. it's it's also a nice feeling that I'm not a slave to to the leaderboard anymore yeah and there's something about the experience like yeah I mean everybody has a unique experience anyway whether they start finish whatever of, of a race everybody's experience is different but you ended up having quite a different experience for you too like something that's quite unique even though you wouldn't have chosen it as you said it's not a, an experience you would have chosen it's still one that will now be a part of your story and, yeah, who, and who you if, are when we talked about the inner journey I mean if that is all about being present and accepting mm. what is happening I mean mm. this is accepting what is happening it's mm. that is what it was there was nothing mm. else there was getting <laughs> stuck in the bush my husband was away with some friends who are also uh, ultra distance runners not long ago on a yacht uh, off Tasmania and then he they'd gone onto an island and he got bitten by a snake and then this is only in January so not that long ago and um, he had to get helicopter rescued uh, it turned out the venom didn't go in so the long story is he's fine, but um, yeah. he it was like if you you know talk to yeah. him about this is not how it was supposed to be. The next couple of days we had a few things planned, so um, it's quite interesting how life can just interrupt our flow sometimes and go, hey, you know, you think everything's especially when we're people who like things under control. Yeah. It's almost like life deliberately puts things in in your way to say, hey, look, you you don't. Exactly under control, uh, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad he is okay, but but that's exactly it. It's uh, the real question is not what is happening, but how do we relate to it? Exactly. Yes, and like just going with that flow, and what can I learn from it? Because often in some of those more un unpredicted circumstances, we can learn the most about yourself and life in general, and, and your wires and why you do stuff. It's kind of yeah. all exciting really I'm kind of excited that you had that experience well I I think it's uh once you know you're safe at the, uh, yeah. at the end of it then it's uh it's it's a great story you just didn't want to really live through it yourself <laughs> I love it well you did so you could come and tell me about it um, so what's your next plan have you got a next race at the moment uh, that you're yes planning? so uh I have signed up for uh, irrational south so you see there is a certain um certain theme from delirious <laughs> west to irrational south which is another 200 mile in the Flinders ranges in South Australia uh just after Easter so mm -hmm. that I will uh go and tackle and um there hopefully see the finish line so that would <laughs> be that would be a nice change after this this last race um, but also just have some fun and be open to whatever happens there. Uh, I'm told there less, uh, less, there's less bushland uh, in the Flinders Ranges. So <laughs> let's see what I find there. Fingers um, crossed. <laughs> yeah, and, and then after that, I actually, I really need um, uh, some time for, for longer recovery. So I've been, okay. been racing a little bit now. I had a 500 kilometer race end of last year or in the second half of last year. And mm -hmm. um and I do believe in periodization. So just um, go hard when I go hard, but also really um, recover when I need recovery. And it's more—it's probably more mental recovery than physical. So mm. um, I've got a few months in Europe um, traveling and for work where I just take it a bit easier, uh, where, yeah, just I will have a routine going for a run, mm -hmm. but it will be more more playful, less structured um and just uh, just enjoying the scenery and seeing well 
if I want to run 5k today, then it's 5k today. And if it's, mm. if it's a longer run, it's a longer run. Yeah. Yeah. Without any kind of long-term purpose, well, long-term yeah. as in yeah, a few months down the track. So has your training, does that mean been, because we've talked to a few people who are doing a lot of these long runs, including all of the irrationals and crazy ones over there. <laughs> I just think their names are amazing. They always make me laugh, which is probably part of it from what I've talked to them, to um, uh, the bloke who organizes them as well. <laughs> yes, Sean Kayser. Sean, yes, I've talked to Sean. So yes, I can see. Yes, he, I think he enjoys that element, <laughs> being able to to create that uh, those experiences for people. Um, but people who are doing these ultra distance, especially trail runs, back on, you know, um, lots of them in a row, that the training almost just seems they get to a certain fitness level, I guess is what I'm talking about. And, and then it's really about just maintaining that fitness level so that at any day they could just go out and do their one or 200 mm. miles because they're already at that fitness level. It's not sort of, yeah. you know, I used to run a marathon a year for many years and it was like, there's a six month training plan or 12 weeks or 16 yeah. weeks. And I had to, you know, that's kind of how that was structured. And then I'd just kind of be more, lazy about my running for the rest of the six months of the year or whatever and then go back into that cycle again but it feels like for you for you guys or at least many of you who have those big multiple big runs in a 12-month period it's just hitting that yeah training level. so so yes there is there, there's always a high level of fitness in a way which then i'll mm. just flex up and down because peak fitness it doesn't last for long or if you try to make it last for too long the risk of injury is too high so mm. it's that kind of um also, um, yeah. also um sorry uh, your immunity too do you find that i was just just had a thought yeah. often with that level of fitness yeah it's um definitely so mm, um in terms of just staying healthy it's 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 important to just have rest period as well and yeah. very often it is more as i said before and it's that kind of mental fatigue as well of just mm. um of just that but then really where i think i look at at training a little bit different to to many people is i really look at it through the lens of preparation rather than training so yeah. the physical training is just a minor aspect of ultra distance running i find so um and that that has come since my my right uh, turning right experiences in a way mm. of just saying yeah th there is the running but i almost see training and running and fitness similar to brushing my teeth of saying well that mm -hmm. that is what one has to do so yeah. obviously you're not running 350 kilometers without the training but then the real difference comes through all the other stuff so it is for me it is a really regular meditation um practice mm -hmm. it is um it's the right food it's somehow it's somehow a sleep routine it's it's physio myotherapy seeing a chiro it's all these other things mm -hmm. and um and then seeing what are all these other things which make the difference and um typically it is the inner game um compared to just the fitness so the fitness mm -hmm. for me is similar to brushing my teeth where sometimes I'm yeah. a bit bitter and the flossing yeah. is included and sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's a little bit and and I pay for it if I don't train hard enough but that's 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 clear but it's it's not really what makes the experiences 
which gets them to the next level. That's what I find. It's um, it's a really a holistic thing, isn't it? Correct. Like That's, a lot of people just yeah. go, I need to train for, and then they might look at nutrition yeah. and they'll do the physical, even including the physio and some massage or whatever, but very few people do the mindset stuff or the mindfulness stuff or the meditation or the, you know, that, that element. And I think if we had more understanding, I don't think enough of us, including me, really understand what that looks like. And maybe it looks different yeah. to each individual too, what that whole, like treating your whole yeah. self rather than just the physicality um, to get you from one place yeah. to the next, whatever your goal is. Like if your goal is to run one of these big runs, then looking at it as a big picture, as you said, I think is really important. It's a, yeah. It's, it's in the end, if I, if I compare my great races compared to those which somewhat, uh, yeah, were somewhat disappointing, mm-hmm. um, the difference is really how I, in the race, how I relate to discomfort and adversity. So mm-hmm. it's that lens of, do I panic because I will fail? Or, or do I just stay present and somehow see what emerges? And that doesn't mean that necessarily um, I have a great outcome, but it's 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 similar to to this last experience where I got lost, where the outcome was, well, the outcome was not what I wanted, but the experience was just priceless. Mm, yeah, I love that. And it's because you, one of the things in mindfulness is we talk about acceptance. Yeah. And accepting that right. life is going to throw crap at you. <laughs> yeah. so, it's, it's, it's easy to accept that you win, but it's not that exactly. easy to accept when you yeah. don't see the finish line. And it's even that embracing of it. I don't, it doesn't mean that we welcome crappy things happening, but we just like, it's here. I can't. Right. And the more you push back, actually, the more it creates too. Right. There's a lot of study being done on that. So the more you repel or try and repel the negative yeah. stuff the more you get of that because you're focusing on it blah 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 blah. all that other yeah. stuff so we could go down those rabbit holes <laughs> whatever um how long do you think you'll run for in like your life age wise um don't know yeah honestly yeah. i don't know it's um wh- what i do believe is if it's not running it will be something else which takes the role of running Mm-hmm. So, um, and that, that is, that depends on how my body holds up. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. I don't tend to have injuries and I don't mm-hmm. have any, any kind of chronic pains, which is great, but who yep. knows what the body does. And mm-hmm. if the body doesn't allow me to do the running I do right now, well, I will find something else, which it will, which I can do. Yeah. Because is it that your identity is around somebody who wants to stay as healthy as they can in whatever shape that looks like. It doesn't have to be running that yeah. helps you get there, yeah. but it's, you know, yeah. other things. I, like I think it's um, the function of running or, if, as you say, the kind of identity spun around, it's spun around something adventurous, which is yeah. fulfilling and, um, and somewhat uh, sustainable as well. And the, the health part is part of that sustainability. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, how do you get out the door? I know we touched on it a little bit mm-hmm. earlier, but do you have any tricks that you use that make sure that, especially when you've got a schedule, a plan, mm-hmm. 
and a busy work life and a busy mm-hmm. training life when mm-hmm. you've got an event coming up. How do you make sure you actually get out the door? Is it the the scariness that there's a big event and you need to mm-hmm. tick all those things off? Um, like what makes yeah. you? So I find being too scared doesn't really help you longer term. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's not what really makes you shift habits, but um a routine helps me. So they, yeah. the, the the kind of the discipline, mm-hmm. I know how to take advantage of me being disciplined. It it helps. And it's it's relatively easy um, running on a daily basis. It's significantly harder doing it here and there and because then it's yeah. easier to shift and, and find yeah. excuses. It's um, having an, a low entry barrier where I know mm-hmm. I will have self-compassion if it's just absolutely the wrong day, mm-hmm. but I have to go out and find out myself. So there is the experience part rather than believing the intellectual side of whatever my brain tells me. Um, I find it way easier going out first thing in the morning. So yeah. I, I don't mind getting up early and early um, quite often in peak training is even before 5am getting up, okay. getting out there and doing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm and just fitting that in um and uh, and then keeping it fun and versatile as well of just not every run is the same i know um there are different different kinds of runs in Mm -hmm. the week i I treat myself to specific locations which i like running in whether Mm -hmm. it's in a national park on a weekend or whatever so um or running with some friends of mine Mm -hmm. or in very long runs uh which i occasionally do trying to tee up at least part of the run with other people so it's mm-hmm. it's somehow it's breaking it up mm-hmm. so it's that kind of mixture it's mm. it's lots of things but all of them help mm. yeah yeah I love that um do you listen to things uh no I don't it's have you uh, ever I, I haven't well mm. no so in the times of um when they were still Walkman and Discman. Ah. Uh, so really, really, really long time ago. Um, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did try once in a while. So with a Walkman, I did run a little bit. It was, yeah. um, I don't know, probably because I thought it was cool um, because <laughs> it, it was not these uh, these little ear, 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 earphones. It was big, <laughs> big things as well. And, um, and then funny. I think once I had a Discman, it would just... Um, if you ever tried to run with a disc when it's it uh, CD just it skips, it skips <laughs> exactly. So I remember um, that <laughs> I stopped there, and now I do have an MP3 player, and that is my um, that's my emergency break glass. So when things go really, really bad in the race, yeah. uh, my support crew knows um, that like up to an hour of uh, listening to music on my MP3 player is a way of getting me out dig myself out of the hole and uh, i do use it and it always works but it is really break the emergency glass oh wow that's fascinating that you use it like that and you have like you don't really use it in any of your long runs or anything like that it's more for the actual event when you get to that it doesn't help me to stay present really Mm. so Mm. i i like to go out and just um Mm. deal with what is and don't try to for me, music is a bit zoning out yeah. and um, I try to tune in instead, if that makes so, sense. So, well, it does. It brings me on to the next question. What sort of things do you think about? We don't have to go into specifics, but what kind of things do you often hmm. think about when you're when you're running? Is it 
you know, checklists or dealing with um, things that have well, happened? Well, it's sometimes sometimes I'll just let the mind wander and it can be creative mm. it can be just going in repetitive loops so it, it does yep. what it does um and then very often when I, when I try to be a bit more more mindful it's mm-hmm. um I really focus and I love focusing on sounds out there of just seeing yep. well, um or mm-hmm. um or just seeing um looking a little bit around me what's what what's nature what does nature have on yeah. offer um yeah. and um yeah that's that's probably where the mind goes I love that we are a couple of the mindful challenges we have for running in fit mind fit body are things like you know focus on something that you can see or something that you can hear or can you see any blue things in the environment today you know just mm-hmm. take notes not you don't have to do it for the whole run but it's just the idea is to stop yeah focusing on where our mind goes off in our crazy yeah. mind things that that our thoughts do um and instead just take a few moments because i think even a few moments of being present gives us a little bit of relief that is often yeah, yeah. sorely needed hmm. um can you think of a time in your run where every when your runs or your training where everything just flowed that you mm. could reflect upon yeah so um, I remember the first run where I really noticed that. So that was training. Uh, that's a, quite a long time ago back in Germany. It was the first time when I was deeply in flow and I was, I didn't know that would happen. And mm-hmm. uh, I was in a forest and the re- the run started not, not well. It was, it was cold. It was rainy. Mm-hmm. I was with a group uh, which was a little bit too fast for me. So I was yeah. very much in that narrative and something mm-hmm. happened during the run and I can just explain it or describe it as rolling, rolling along the hills. So it wasn't like running anymore. I was just rolling and yeah. it was it was magical. And then I was chasing that feeling. So it didn't happen anymore for a long time because... <laughs> uh, forcing ourselves into flow obviously doesn't work but I didn't know that at the time so um and and now it's um it's I am way more detached from it and just acknowledge it when it happens and in the world championships um uh it did happen for a very extended period of time for so for hours and hours out of the 24 hours of running which explains why some I got to uh, um to a result I would never have dreamt of because I was I, it was was more like me observing myself running than me running yeah. and that was that was um yeah just a very um um delightful experience if that's the right word there isn't it wonderful that you can reflect upon those times I just think it's such a gift they there's studies that the neuroscience um, neuroscientists have done now that show that it, you know what's going on in our head not just in those flow moments but when we're running looks very much like meditation there's a lot of correlation between yeah. the physical changes or the physical things that are happening in our minds in these two um, activities which seem to be quite unrelated in many ways but I think the reality is they're not because it comes back to that big holistic stuff we we're talking about yeah. before I just I love it um so do is, I. It's just, of course, that's why we're here talking about it. Um, is there, well, if you were to think about it, if you hadn't started running in your life, Kai, how do you think, well, I don't want to, I try to frame it as not a negative thing, but 
how has like how has running improved your life? So if you hadn't mm. run, I guess whatever something would be missing. But rather than saying it in a negative way, how's it improved your life in a way that perhaps it, you wouldn't have had an opportunity to experience? Well, in in essence, so the subtitle of my book is "Inspire the Magic," and <laughs> some sort of magic I've uh, I've encountered through running. So that's that, that's Perfect. it. That's perfect. Yeah. I love it. And by the way, we will put a link to your book in the show notes as well, of course. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, actually, I think I downloaded it um, the other day. So I need to read well, it myself. Enjoy. So, enjoy. I'm terrible. Um, yes, I will. I can't wait, actually. It's very exciting. Um, is there anything about running in general? Because I've already kept you over the hour. Is there anything about running in general that you would like to share that we haven't talked about in our conversation today? Ooh. In general, now that's that's yeah. quite a quite a question. Um, no, it's um, I th- I think it's important that nobody should feel forced to run or compelled to run, but mm-hmm. but really just give it a go and see what resonates. So mm-hmm. some people just say running is not for me, and maybe it's just too much of of a burden one places on oneself, saying I should feel this way, I should feel that way, is mm-hmm. just just relax and see see what resonates with you and mm. um, uh, whether there is something in there because um, yeah it's it's probably that kind of lightness um, um, makes it way more enjoyable and it, if it really isn't enjoyable and I know this podcast is to encourage people to run but if it really really isn't enjoyable I would say just don't do it just go for a bike ride or a swim instead (laughs) do something else but because there are other there are other beautiful things which aren't running which can take as i said if i wasn't running i would be doing something else Mm. and um and there's nothing wrong with that either Mm. yes no we don't talk about that on this podcast doing other things apart from running (laughs) 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 i do often rant about how we're all made to run and everybody should run most people um, but but it is true yes you are right as long as people I think it's the moving um like we've said a few times on today that yeah. people just have got used to not moving like we've got quite sedentary all of us like I sit on the computer most of the day if it wasn't for running I I wouldn't move as much and so if it wasn't in my life and I know I'm not um unusual like a lot of people in our modern life like you've got a sort of academic sort of career yourself where you know there'd be a lot of sitting down if your running wasn't part of your um who you are and the lifestyle you've That's created it. perhaps you wouldn't move as much obviously either. we shouldn't forget that people who don't run sooner or later they get caught by the saber-toothed tiger and they get eaten they do which is unfortunate but it keeps them away from us the tigers i mean yeah. <laughs> right. them full. so there's another incentive <laughs> That's what I, that's the other thing i would say uh, yes, is we're made to run because we had to either run away from not being food or run towards to catch food, not just to catch the bus. So yeah. interesting. <laughs> now, I always wrap up the podcast by asking my guests for some tips for beginner runners. So do you have any tips for if somebody comes up to you and says, Kai, I want to start running, maybe not 250 miles to begin with, but I'd like yeah. to start running. What would you yeah. suggest? Uh I highly recommend to not get um, completely carried away by the euphoria, which very often kicks in and then overdoing it too quickly, too early. So mm-hmm. that's that's probably, that that is a huge risk. And um, 
ramping it up to any distance which might sound crazy at the moment is absolutely possible but the body needs time to adapt and um it's it's so common to especially for beginner runners to get injured i mean i got injured when i was ramping up um and that is very common but it helps just um doing some strength work uh, and Mm -hmm. own body weight strength work is um uh, in my view is is more than sufficient in most cases and so do some strength work don't don't do too much too quickly and um and just over time ramp up and and enjoy because mm, like ultimately i think if you want to start running you want to keep running you know that the idea that's is it. to be that's it and it's it's time. very frustrating dealing with injuries i mean it is mm. um and and then also um we need consistency to to just become good at what we're doing and mm. and every every injury which we face uh, i mean it is what it is but it does set us back so yeah if we can somehow bypass the injuries even better yes i love it that's perfect all right thank you kai it's been amazing to get to know you and very inspiring your story i can't wait to read your book and get stuck into it thank you for sharing your time with us today really appreciate it thanks a lot has been an absolute pleasure as well don't go because i will say goodbye to you after recording as well great thank you for listening to the fit mind fit body podcast I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.